For our scripture lesson today, we are going to be in Psalm 103, starting with verse 8. The Lord is tender and kind. He is gracious. He is slow to get angry. He is full of love. He won't keep bringing charges against us. He won't stay angry with us forever. He doesn't punish us for our sins as much as we should be punished. He doesn't pay us back in keeping with the evil things we've done. He loves those who have respect for Him. His love is as high as the heavens are above the earth. He has removed our sins from us. He has removed them as far as the east is from the west. A father is tender and kind to his children, but in the same way, the Lord is tender and kind to those who have respect for him. He knows what we are made of. He remembers that we are dust. The life of human beings is like grass. People grow like the flowers in the field. When the wind blows on them, they are gone. No one can tell that they had ever been there, but the Lord's love for those who have respect for Him lasts forever and ever. Their children's children will know that He always does what is right. Please be seated. Today, gentlemen, we reflect and celebrate your contributions to family, both past and present and future. We are thankful for those fathers who have proved worthy of the name Dad. Of those who have engaged with their children, those who have been the example, we celebrate them this day. But we also reflect on that nature of fatherhood which honestly in our modern day tends to make Father's Day a little more complicated than Mother's Day. And the reason I say complicated, let's see if this is working now. Yes! Here are four fathers. Yeah, I heard an oh Lord right there. Okay, how many of you uh, remember watching uh, the first one? Was it, uh, uh, what, what was it, Anderson? Amberson? Uh, anyway, Father Knows Best. If you remember Father Knows Best, raise your hand. He really did know best, didn't he? Good, wholesome. Well, you know, there's a situation here and Dad's going to try to bring a little wisdom into the situation. And often that also went with things like, well, do I choose my career path or choose being the father? And as I understand it, his choice was, I will choose to be the father. How many of you grew up with a pa on Little House on the Prairie? I never liked farming. I was allergic to everything. Still am. But whenever I saw Mr. Ingalls, I was like, you know, that's an awesome role model right there. Working hard for his family and doing the farming and, and all of these challenges that they faced. 
And even in the midst of times that were completely trying, and by the end of that series, he had hair at least as gray as mine, still you could tell that this was someone who put his family first. How many of you have watched Everybody Loves Raymond quite a bit? Hmm, some of you have. Ray Barone. After that transition where in the media at least, dads were more of the, you know, the point, or shall I say the butt of the joke, rather than the person bringing the wisdom into the situation. Ray Barone, Ray Romano, bless his heart, (laughs) was the one who was kind of fulfilling the traditional role, but... He always seemed in competition with his kids for the wife's attention and his brother for the mom's attention. And if you ever decide to go into studying family dynamics theory or the dysfunctions that families uh, bring to the table, I promise you from looking at that show, it's like they said, okay, let's find every dysfunctional stereotype and just put it in one family right there. When we were at Universal, not this past week, but the week before, we were on a ride, the Simpsons ride. And it was awesome. Homer, not so much. He is like Archie Bunker, but with no, not even a little bit of a clue. Um, Lori's looking at me like, hmm. <laughs> I think the best word to sum up Homer Simpson is, duh. Would y'all say that's accurate? Okay. Karen said, I gotta start watching this show, and I went, wait a minute. <laughs> but have you noticed over the years that the role of father in the, uh, comedies at least has shifted from the person that was being, uh, bringing some wisdom into some situations, needing help in some others, but more of the balance. Have you noticed that it shifted for a while there? I think they're finally getting out of it to where dad was the one who could never figure out how to do half of the stuff that he really should have known. I mean, even Tim Allen in Home Improvement didn't know half as much he thought he knew about how to fix up his house. And of course, there's all of the comedies. I think Huggies had one out recently about we've given six dad real Huggies wipes on spaghetti night. Let's see how they do. And it's a disaster, you know. But I do have a question for you. And it just, I read it recently and I just have to throw it out here. Ladies, raise your hand if you have... Before being a mom, if you had some experience with what we would call babysitting, raise your hands. Okay. Men, before you became dads, how many of you have some experience with babysitting? Raise your hands. Wow, I got a lot. Usually it's like, let me ask you this, were you paid for it? Yeah. And then they wonder why when they put the baby in our hands, we're like, "Uh, what do I do? We figure it out. Even though guys in some ways have taken it on the chin in popular culture right now, we have over the years seen 
how necessary fathers can be. I mean, it's not destiny, but still we know that whenever the dad is not present in the child's life, there's a much greater chance the child's life will be going off the rails at some point. I think the corner might be being turned. That finally, hopefully, as we move forward, we are going to start having as more of a popular message of validations of, yes, Dad, you are valuable. You are important. Yes, you, you know, you might hit your thumb with a hammer, but you are not just this incompetent person that we've been portraying and laughing at. You are the person who helps come and complete that picture that God has said He will call family. God tells us by His very choice of revealing Himself as Father, who is like a mother in many ways, but revealing Himself as Father, He has told us how much He values this. Now, I want to make clear, God is not male. Adam alone was not sufficient to bear the full reflection of the divine image. You understand that, right? That's what happens when I talk about fathers being bumbling. My umbrella from three weeks ago drops. (laughs) Adam alone was not the full reflection of the divine image, but... God says, I am your father through his son, Jesus Christ. God is our father. And here is the deal, guys. And this is intimidating and it is wonderful and it is terrible. The fact is we are given that awesome privilege of knowing that children will look for a reflection of the heavenly father In us. That is awesome. That is a high calling. That is also quite a bit intimidating. But God is the God who says. You can call me Abba. That little Hebrew Aramaic word. That you can just picture the little baby saying, because it's not hard, Abba, Abba. That word that to Jesus meant daddy. And Paul said, through Jesus, we can call him Abba. Abba, Father, this is The divine intention that as earthly fathers, we should be close to our heavenly father and to those children that call us Abba. So today, for just a moment, some of the characteristics 
of what it is to be a father that reflects the image of God. And ladies, don't turn off your ears because, again, we all bear the divine image and we have to, both of us, to fully reflect it. And the thing is, these characteristics are things that is God's nature that needs to be witnessed to through all of us. But the one I'd like to start out with is a steadfast love. And when I say steadfast love, I was thinking about tough love, but no, that's not the full picture. Steadfast love is a love that is stubborn, a love that endures, a love that even endures all efforts to repel it. Can anything separate us from the love of God the Father? No, nothing in creation, height nor depth, principalities or powers. Here's the thing, the love that is described in God, by God, as God, and as we are to reflect, is that kind of stubborn love that will look upon the human race collectively running as far away as they can from God and says, I will still give myself for them. And did any of you notice that at the beginning of our scripture quotation. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love. He will not always accuse, nor will he keep his anger forever. But some of that language, that patience, merciful, gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love, that is very much the same kind of thing that Paul was speaking about in that passage we most often refer to on Mother's Day. That love is patient, that love is kind, love is not envious or boastful or arrogant or rude. That is the model of the love of God that all of us are called to follow. For God is love, and if we are to reflect Him, this is supposed to be a characteristic that the Christian cultivates in his or her life. And if you ever really want to see the picture of God, the Father just change the word love there and replace it with God and see if it still reads accurately. It does. God is patient. God is kind. God is not envious or boastful or arrogant. Dear Lord, I wish that when I were younger, I was a little bit more of that reflection of the Father. I can look back now after having been a dad for 20 years and I still know, no, I am not perfect. I really wish that I had the experience back then that I have now. To be more patient, to be kinder, to be less boastful or arrogant or envious. By the way, dads, have you ever noticed that after my mom and dad told me this, and I didn't believe it until Lori had Christopher, I was jealous of that baby for the first few months. He was getting all of Lori's attention. Of course, he wrapped me around his little finger, just perfect. It does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoices in the truth. That's the kind of father that we had reflected in the father of the prodigal son. The one who did not try to trap to keep the son there, but the son was taking advantage. The father knew he couldn't keep him. He let him go. But then he was still 
always looking. For the Father, while he was still far off, his Father saw him and was filled with compassion. That's in the Gospel of Luke chapter 15. This father that when he came down and started to say his statement of repentance and just treat me as a servant, not as a son, hugged him and kissed him and killed the fatted calf and said, we are going to celebrate because my child was lost but now is found. This is the kind of love that people want to come home to. Steadfast love. Moral courage. Moral courage, the determination to choose that which is necessary and right even when it is hard. This is where the tough love thing can come in. I mean, in Hebrews... It speaks of enduring hardship as discipline. God is treating you as children for what children are not disciplined by a father. But also in Colossians, you add to it, fathers do not aggravate your children. I think frustrate is more, it's not like teasing. It's more of the being the kind of father who will drive a wedge between you and your child. Do not have them become discouraged. The father with moral courage is strong enough to examine himself and all that he does and see it in light of what am I presenting to my children, to my daughters that they should expect their husbands to treat them like or my sons in showing them what kind of person they should be. And dads, and sometimes this is a hard one, Are we courageous enough to swallow our pride when it is necessary? Jesus returned to Capernaum. A Roman officer came and pleaded with him. Lord, my young servant lies in bed paralyzed in terrible pain. Jesus said, I will come and heal him. The officer said, but Lord, I am not worthy to have you come into my home. Just say the word where you are. My servant will be healed. In one of the other Gospels, we find that it might have actually been his son that this was happening to. A Roman officer, a Roman centurion, a Roman in charge of many others, if we continue to read the story, someone that was high in status, someone that had a name in the community, but still at this point of desperation saying, I will come and I will humble myself because I am putting my servants my child, the person who is looking up to me first and doing what is necessary. And guys, that's something that regardless of whether the society has noticed or applauded it, that the best among us have always done. We have done the hard things. We have taken time that we would rather be spending giving the kid the horsey rides to try to be the traditional good provider. And we have also, Lord help us, tried to figure out how do you do this whole diaper thing. (sighs) Even though for some reason I think, ladies... Diapers don't really make y'all nauseated like it makes us guys nauseated, does it? 
No, not at all. Yeah, okay. Just checking. I, you remember in church, you're not lying, are you? Oh, you just destroyed one of my illusions there. Dude. <laughs> May God bless you, man. He's been changing the diaper since he's at home. <laughs> Maybe that will fit under the last one, true heroism. <laughs> Placing others' needs and safety before your own. Let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith because of the joy awaiting Him. He endured the cross disregarding its shame. Think of this when you are weary. After all, you have not yet given your life in your struggle against sin. We have a lot of people who are called heroes in society. We have some that deserve it. Many of the ones that when I was being raised were being put forth as heroes were not really heroes, they were idols. Not in a, a scriptural sense, but as in a, oh boy, I hope I grow up to have as much money or be as famous or wealthy as this person is or to be that you know attractive to the ladies or whatever. It was like, oh yeah, he's got the life. But then there were those that were really and truly heroes, those who ran to the sounds of distress instead of running away from it. Those who would give of themselves sacrificially to ensure another's safety. Now we've got superheroes. I mean, we're doing superheroes in this VBS. And it's going to be awesome. I still don't know what I'm supposed to be. Most superheroes aren't shaped like me, Maggie, honestly. But anytime any of you, dads, moms, uncles, any of you are giving up what you would want or sometimes even need for the needs of your family and friends and those, <coughs> pardon me, who are in crisis, that is being a hero. Some of us have official jobs that fit into that category. Firefighters, policemen, others do it day in, day out in small ways that may never be recognized. But when you are doing that selfless thing, that is what God would call reflecting Him in being Christ for someone else. You know, one of the small ways you can be a hero as a member of the body of Christ, it's even in this. Uh, Paul was having a discussion with the people in Corinth. They were eating food, some of them that had been sacrificed to idols. Some of them thought that was a big deal. Others did not. Paul said, you know, it's not a big deal because idols are nothing. But, and see if this same feeling comes through. If you exercising your freedom to do this is hurting their spiritual development is your exercising your freedom in that small thing worth hurting them? And the answer, of course, was no. Again, that same 
thought of looking to others and saying, well, what is most important? And I tell you, in a society that tells us to put ourselves first rather than each other, it can be hard. But we must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think that equality with God was something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. Some translations, he emptied himself. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being when he appeared in human form. He again humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on the cross. <coughs> Sometimes we wind up thinking for some reason that church is mostly for the moms and the kids. But you will find no greater example of true heroism than Christ giving up heaven, taking on humanity, and carrying a 350-pound cross up the Via Dolorosa. Not for what he had done, but for what all of us had done. The last characteristic. The last ingredient being faith and faithfulness. Let's just finish out that ancient him. Therefore God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name of all names that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven on earth and under the earth and every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Never underestimate the impact that you can have upon your children simply by publicly in front of them bending your knee praying to God. That makes a difference. Our relationship with our heavenly Abba is caught more than taught. There was a study back in, oh, about 15 years ago in Switzerland. It's been repeated elsewhere, but this is the one that I could find and source. Basically, they found this. If the father... Okay, in a family where someone is going to church and the kids are going with them. If the father does not ever go to church, only one child in 50 will come to church regularly when they grow up. If the father goes once in a while, as he has time, or as the job allows even, between half and two-thirds of the kids will come regularly or occasionally. If a father does go regularly, that number jumps to two-thirds to three-quarters will stay in church at least part of the time. It makes a huge difference. Men, if a relationship with God is important to you, if your devotion to God is genuine, God will be an important part of your kids' lives, all other things being equal. Twenty years ago was my first Father's Day. I had no clue what I was doing. Dads, moms, ever felt completely clueless? Ever had the baby scream in the middle of the night and you shoot awake with your pulse pounding? 
ever see? Kimmy got thrown off the horse this past week. We were leading her out and we didn't know his tooth was hurting. We put her on his back and started to walk out and he started bucking and he bucked her off. You never want to look and see your child laying on the ground, not moving. For a moment, you are scared to death. And for the moment it goes through your mind, oh dear Lord, if something bad couldn't it have happened to me instead. I still remember telling Chris that when he got old enough, my philosophy of fatherhood, something that I had heard early on because I knew that I was nowhere near a perfect dad. I knew there were, I could look back over my life and there were a lot of things that I did as a dad that I was like, I think maybe I got it right there, but there was a lot of things that I was like, oh, I wish I had done it different. And if you're like me, I'm one of those people who looks at the things that I have done wrong and I tend to obsess over what I should have done. So I was telling Chris, you know, son, the way I've heard it expressed, and it's like the only sports metaphor I'll use with you, Chris, is that each father's duty is to move the ball a little bit closer to the goalpost called getting it right and reflecting the father. My dad's father, they had an extremely contentious relationship. He poured all of his energy and funds and love into the firstborn child and the rest of them who dad was one of the rest didn't have that much of a close relationship with him except when there was discipline to be given. And does anybody remember those big straps the barbers used to sharpen their razors on? Anybody remember those? Anybody ever had a close encounter with one of those? Not fun, is it? My dad used to talk about that and I immediately got a different view of what dad's belt might represent. It represented not the half of what it could have been. And I noticed looking back over my life that he was not usually the one to ever do any corporal punishment because he had been, he had had that example of maybe how he could move the ball a little bit further down the field. I looked at mine and my father's relationship and there were some parts that I cherished and said, this is what I want to take further and pass on to my kids. There were other parts that I said, well, these are the things I want to tweak. So I won't make the same mistakes my dad did. Well, I didn't. I made my own mistakes. But at the same time, at the end of the day, I could say that I looked and I saw that we had each moved it further, a little closer to the goal of being the kind of father that God wanted us to be. Thanks be to God. So dads, if through all of this, you're like, man, long-winded preacher. Okay, I'm going to sum it all up in something that uh, if you don't, if you're not on the internet, I'll just let you know. There's a new little summation thing. It's, TL slash DR, it means too long, didn't read. Okay? 
So when you see that, you'll know, okay, I can ignore this and read the bullet point. Here's the bullet point. Why didn't you say it first, preacher? Because I wanted you to wait till now. Men, fathers, fathers-to-be, no matter how insecure you may be as a dad, if you show, if you make it an intentional part to show that faith, that hope, and that love that God can teach us to show. And if you will simply, for so many, this is something they wish. If you would simply show up and be the dad in a culture where too many are not showing up. And if you do your best to just move that ball a little further down the field of getting it right, then God bless you. Keep it up. Because when your kids are grown, they will see. They will understand. It might take them until they're about 25 to realize that, yeah, my dad was pretty smart very to begin with, you know. But God will bless it. I think he has blessed it today. I think that many of you who are here have been thinking about your fathers. Mine is in heaven. He's He wasn't a perfect dad, just like I'm not a perfect dad. But I can say from the bottom of my heart that I am proud to have had him as my father on earth. And I am thankful that I was his son. Guys, May God bless you and may the same thing be said about each of us. Dear Lord, let it be. And amen. Our